I'm trying to go through uh, my my pocket list of, um, of of people who write really good <laughs> wedding speeches. Great orators. This of is history. annoying. I wish I could remember the character's name because he's a big Mark Antony. Uh, I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. <laughs> Yeah, come to Barry Blue. Yeah. That guy sucked. It's like, you, you think the wedding speech is pretty good, but it's loaded with double meanings, and you're not yeah. actually sure if he likes you. And at the end, he pulls out a knife. Blutus is an honorable man. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and today I'm joined in person by Ray. Hey, oh, I'm using one of Blue's mugs, but it's the red one, so we're still on brand. Yep. <laughs> uh, red has the the Shadows of Myth uh, mug, and I'm currently drinking out of a, an SPQR mug that my mom got me yeah. uh, as a gift when she went to the Vatican without <laughs> me while I was stuck doing Greek class uh, over the summer of my, my junior year of college. Ask me how much fun I had with that. Mm. Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot, as I recall. <laughs> but uh, it's okay. Uh, many years have passed since then. I, I have healed. Uh, and we're, we're here to, to do another episode of the podcast today. Yeah. Uh, Red, how, 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 how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I woke up bright and early, and then I took three naps until I was waking up fairly late. And I have no regrets about my life right now. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've got uh, the, the the big uh, blue and cyan wedding coming up, um, so uh, we're we're assembling the squad. Yes. Uh, Indigo will be in town before too long, and we'll uh, we'll have a party. Yeah, um, a very fully vaccinated and oftentimes masked party. Yes, lest we forget. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. It's still happening, baby. St- still, still a plague. Uh, but yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. jumping back instead of jumping forward, uh, mm-hmm. we had two fun videos this past week. We did. Uh, I had uh, for Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, I had a video on the cities of um, Central and South America. And Red, you had uh, a fun one, the myth of King Midas. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's do invi- uh, the indigenous cities. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. Start, start with the start. Yeah. Uh, this this was fun. I Last year I had a lot of fun doing the Hawaii video for Indigenous Peoples Day, um, and I wanted to, to keep that ball rolling. I, I was like, oh, where should I go? What should I do? I don't know. Um, so I, I I split the difference by doing a bunch of them, uh, <laughs> uh, which is where I was like, oh, wait, I can use the City Minutes format to, to tackle a bunch of different things at once. Uh, originally, I, I wanted to include, and a lot of the comments were like, OMG Blue, no Cahokia, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I... In my original pitch for the for the video, my original plan, I was I was gonna cover Cahokia, the the Native American uh, civilization on the uh, the Mississippi River, um, famous for the mounds and all that stuff. Um, but unfortunately, the the way those two weeks were going when I was working on that video, they were so bad, and my brain was so fried. I I did not have the capacity to do the extra yeah. research. I almost even cut out uh, Cusco. Yeah. I was like, Red, Red, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying over here. Like, and, you got it, you it, got it. You, you encouraged me to persevere, and I'm glad that yeah. I did. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we got four great cities. Uh, Teotihuacan, Tikal, uh, Tenochtitlan, uh, and Cusco, uh, Cahokia, uh, dearly missed. Um, uh, that will probably be um, maybe next year. Uh, Cahokia, yeah. Pueblo, a lot, lot of other uh, other places. It, uh, my intent was not to, to say that there are, there's only two countries uh, in the Americas that, that had cities, uh, Mexico and Peru. They're all over. Lots of really, really cool indigenous civilizations. So uh, my point with uh, the little yearly series here is uh, to, to show the, the diversity of, uh, 
of the different indigenous civilizations. So yeah, it, it was a fun one. It, it was, was a good yeah. video. It was cool. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, when I was in uh, seventh or eighth grade, uh, my middle school took us on a trip to Mexico. Um, and of course, Mexico City is built on Tenochtitlan. Yep. <laughs> uh, to the point where we, we took a day trip to the Cortez Palace, um, which is built on top of the ruins of Montezuma's palace, which is a dick move. Come on. But um, what is interesting is that they have these big plexiglass sheets set in the sidewalk where they've excavated down about 20 feet. And the Aztec ruins are underneath it, and yeah. you can see down. It's actually a very cool way to handle yeah, it. Yeah, it's cool as hell. <laughs> um, the Cortez Palace is still standing. They haven't even modified it Unfortunately. to Unfortunately. Add... Yeah, well, they haven't even modified it to add railings. Instead, they have these, like, prickly bushes in places they don't want you falling off of, because there are just open walls on the second floor. Oh, wow. And it's just like, how do you keep a bunch of squirrely, you know, 12-year-olds from just walking off the edge? Spikes. Yeah, spikes. <laughs> Spike traps. It's fucking spelunky in Mexico City. <laughs> yep, chip damage. Uh, and then Teotihuacan is, of course, uh, not as bustling these days, shall we say, um, which is interesting. There's a lot of theories about why it was abandoned, because it was yeah. just straight up abandoned. Like, yeah. they all just left one day. And I think the theory that the tour guide told us is that there was, like, some volcanic activity that caused the river to reverse direction and dry up in the area. Hmm. And they were like... Well, the gods clearly don't want us sticking around. Let's bail, folks. Yeah, there's a whole a whole school of, of scholarship around like why the different cities in in Central and South America stopped being a thing. Yeah. Um, classic Maya collapse is a is a a much uh, debated topic, and some mm -hmm. scholars are like, eh, maybe maybe not. Uh, the the scholarship that I was looking at for the Teotihuacan video was like. The city definitely got whacked. The question is whether it was someone else or whether it was uh, the own citizens doing it. And yeah. I, I came down a little more based on the research on the side of, like, it seems to have been an internal dealio. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you know, when a city gets sacked versus when it gets fully abandoned is often a gap. Like, for instance, mm -hmm. Rome has been sacked probably more than any other city <laughs> in history. It's doing fine. Yeah, it's technically <laughs> still there. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the thing that's hard to, to, to get at is, like, Okay, a city got sacked in this year, maybe, probably, uh, but it was still inhabited for a while afterwards, and that was actually a thing that I, I had some difficulty with, with, mm. um, uh, with, oh god, it's not Calakmul, it was, um, Quiquilco, uh, uh, the other city next to Teotihuacan, which got buried under a volcano. Uh -huh, yes. The year of that volcano happening was a, a subject of hot academic debate, and I could not really come down one way or the other because it is still very much being discovered. Like, last week there was an article like, yeah, hundreds more uh, 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 sites discovered in the jungles oh of uh, the Yucatan <laughs> Peninsula. Like, it's such an active field of scholarship, which is really yeah. cool, and it's unfortunate because you can't really make a whole lot of definitive statements that don't become at least, like, partially invalidated by discoveries we make later on. Oh, God. It's um, like, but um... it, it is so cool. There's so much, you know, happening right now it's like when i put out the video on loki and then like two mm. days later yellow was like oh yeah they're pretty sure that tacitus was making all that shit up and it's completely <laughs> unreliable i was like oh thanks thanks bud <laughs> great timing well not, not his fault not his yeah, fault yeah, yeah, yeah. of course not yeah. <laughs> thanks scholarship yeah I, I was like as i published the video i actually i had uh this is funny the context of the um the valentine's day video i had a stress dream oh, no. that uh i woke up like, I was somewhat, for some reason I was in Hawaii, uh. and I was in the wrong time zone, and I woke up, and the video had already been published, like, six hours ago, but it was still published, like, several hours late, and everyone was mad, and I was like, oh no, and then I woke up for real, and I'm like, 
Oh, thank God, it's Friday, it's 7 o'clock, and I still have four hours until the video goes up. Yeah. <laughs> I had a similar stress stream the other night. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so... Overall, a very interesting video. Um, it was really cool because uh, I actually forgot how much I learned about various of these uh, subjects. It, it wasn't quite the same thing, but I had a class in college about um, Mayan culture. Yeah. Uh, and mostly what I remember from that is... Uh, so, I don't know if everybody knows this. Uh, the Yucatan Peninsula is, as you mentioned, an exposed spar of limestone. Uh, it's like an ancient coral reef or something. Yeah. Uh, it is also the site of the Chicxulub crater that uh, killed the dinosaurs. Well, the, the dinosaurs that didn't survive and turn into birds. And um, what this means is that it doesn't really work like dirt other places works. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, how to describe? Uh, it forms sinkholes, not rivers. So Mayan cultures get their water from things called cenotes, which are these sinkholes that are just yeah. full of fresh water. They're just these isolated little natural wells, not rivers which means the traditional ways that civilizations form along riverbeds just doesn't apply there. Yeah, even even as, as close by as the Valley of Mexico, where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's all rivers and stuff. Yeah, it's a totally different ballgame on the Yucatan. And it's why the, like, the second wave of conquistadors that actually ended up dealing with the Mayans uh, were like... We don't fucking know what this is. Like, there's, like, barely any dirt here or tillable <laughs> land. We we planted the wrong crop one year, and then it all rained off into the ocean, and now there's no dirt? It was just, it was a mess. Um, yeah, that, that is one of the funny things about, like, the, the history of the Spanish conquistadors. This is, like, it's obviously, like, after, like, the genocide, intentional and unintentional, there's just a pure comedy of errors of those idiot Spaniards failing to understand the, the situation they had gotten themselves into. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It was easier or closer to the mainland where it's like we at least understand sort of how the ecology works like the problem they ran into there is that corn is a tricky beast to make edible and they didn't know that yeah. hence montezuma's revenge but uh <laughs> it, it gets weirder the farther out and the more inhospitable quote-unquote you get uh, because, of course, the people who've been living there for centuries know how to live there. Mm -hmm. And the people who just showed up, <laughs> you know, dick-waving on these big suits of armor on these big horses in a fucking jungle. <laughs> yeah, those guys might have a little more trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I... Uh, that's one of the things with, um, with indigenous history that we sort of talked about way back in the Hawaii videos. You don't want to make it into so much of a, like, ah, yes, and then, you know, looming spectrum colonialism. So yeah. I... I feel like I was able to strike a, a decent enough balance of, like, here are the societies, and then in the last ten seconds of each city's minute, the Spaniards show up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's cool. It's an interesting part of world history that we are learning a lot about all the time. Um, and even we, we know more about than I sort of implied uh, with the conclusion of my video. And honestly... Um, it's, it's just, it's cool. Yeah, and it's a, it's a tricky balance to strike, I think, because, like, there's... On the one hand, there's, oh, this civilization was very much uh, just like us, and, uh, and you know, it's just, oh, it's a big melting pot, and it's like, that's kind of sanitizing it. <laughs> but then on the flip side, you get things like Heart of Darkness, where it's like, <laughs> this culture was incomprehensible and alien and strange, and we should have never trespassed where man was not meant to tread. And it's like, guys, they're fucking human beings, all right? <laughs> they're just... 
it, you can strike the, you can reach a middle point between everyone is exactly like me and I never need to do any cultural learning and everyone who isn't like me is this alien eldritch abomination best left alone. Like, guys, there's middle ground here. <laughs> I think you managed to hit that. Yeah. Uh, so, well, more of them to come in the future and yes. I can talk about some other uh, civilizations around the Americas and maybe around the world. But yeah, other than that, other than that. Uh, jumping back to uh, to our old, uh, our old stomping ground of ancient Greece. Yes. Uh, Red, you had uh, a, a very fun... Uh, and a little bit unconventional myth uh, in the story of Midas. Yeah. Does not end the way most of them do. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Midas is interesting because uh, I feel like he kind of got pop culture osmosified much more thoroughly than most other Greek heroes did. Like, with a lot of Greek heroes, we know, like, their names, and we yeah. know maybe one thing about them. So it's like, Hercules, he was real strong. Yeah, and it's like, okay, yeah. Killed his family. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that maybe, like, the, the, the mythology nerds knew, knew about beforehand. Yeah. But then after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, and to the Romans, he was a city founder, which is why in Civ, he helps build your cities faster and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but Midas is the one where Midas and his golden touch are, like, they are... They're one sentence, basically. They always go together. People don't mention King Midas outside of the context of the Golden Touch. And that's not uncommon. It's like people mention King Minos in the context of the Minotaur and the Labyrinth, uh, but they don't remember that he shows up in a bunch of other stories. The context of getting cucked by a bull. Yeah, that one. (laughs) You know, the fun one. Um, And uh, it's it's interesting because, of course, Midas' Golden Touch is a very basic story. It is a very simple, like, oh, yeah, you know, it is a be careful what you wish for story. It's a monkey's paw story, except the modern version of the be careful what you wish for story is very big on karmically punishing the person mm-hmm. who makes the wish. Like the story with the monkey's paw, people in the comments were bringing it up. It's like, yeah, you know, you wish for money and you get money uh, because your son died. And then you wish for your son to come back and he comes back as a zombie. And it's like, all right, the monkey's paw is just being a dick at this point. Like, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> Letter of the wish, but not the spirit. Yeah, I see how genie logic to the extreme. Even yeah. then, like the in, in One Thousand and One Nights, you know, Aladdin's wishes get granted. It's just like he's, you know, he's got to be careful. <laughs> you know. How Wait, it is works. Aladdin from One Thousand and One Nights? Uh, you know what? I actually don't remember. I mean, I if it is, he... that would make sense. No, I wouldn't know. I I think I was reading through A Thousand and One Nights looking for Aladdin, and I think Aladdin is one of those weird ones. Actually, I remember reading about this where like. Where he came from is actually... Okay. He kind of got pop culture osmosified. And, of course, 1001 Nights is not one book. It's been retold yeah, a lot of different times. Yeah. People keep adding and removing things. All right, you know what? <laughs> we don't need to backspace through this, but this is clearly not my area of expertise. But the point is, you know, in historical literature about wishes and yeah. wish-making <laughs> entities, the idea that getting your wishes granted will not make you happy is a very very common theme it just depends on like how exactly they're framing it so with the monkey's paw it's like maybe don't make wishes on the obviously cursed evil artifact i don't know maybe uh when smoke comes out from its mouth and its eyes glow and it speaks yeah maybe leave it alone yeah just 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 nope and, and leave just walk away um but midas is in this weird position where he as people have pointed out doesn't even die like no. he, he he fucks around with like three different gods and none of them kill him <laughs> yeah and, and i think a point that you made you know kind of offhandedly in a joke is like he's not malicious he's just stupid exactly yeah <laughs> midas is a rare king in that he's um he's he's not mean he's not even particularly <laughs> power hungry he you know he wants gold because he likes gold he thinks it would be cool he just didn't really think it through because he's stupid yeah. that's not the same thing as being cruel or evil on the scale of like <sighs> is Midas a himbo <laughs> that, yeah that was my tweet about it I, oh it was okay. yeah I tweeted it ages back because as oh, I was writing God. him I was like he's not malicious 
but he is very stupid. Is he? And the thing is, most people... Well, we were... need to find out if he's hot. Yeah, that's the thing. Most <laughs> of them were like, eh, he's not really... Eh. He, he's not malicious, and he is stupid, but he's not particularly appealing. And I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the thing is, most people remember the version from the 1850s, where he turns his daughter to gold, because yeah. that has been sort of subsumed into the cultural concept of him so thoroughly yeah. that everyone's like, oh, yeah, Midas gets the golden touch, and it all goes wrong for him, and then he, he wishes for it to stop, but it, you know, it stops, but it doesn't undo the damage he did. And it's like, yeah, that's more... That's more pathos-y. That, that's more tragic. It's more Shakespearean. But, like, in the original myth, he's just like, oh, no, I can't eat food. This is going to be bad within 28 hours. <laughs> 24 hours. Wow, brain. He's like, can't choose between 24 and 48? Just get it wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, it, most people prefer that version. And it's funny because there are a ton of comments on that video that bring up the daughter turning to gold thing. And then about half of them are edited to be like, oops, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is why you finished the video. Yeah. Always never comment before the video is done. Yeah. 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 Recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's a fun story because he's just so dumb. And like, I couldn't find any other really like major stories about him after that. It's just, oh yeah, he goes off and does this thing and it doesn't go well. And then he goes off and does this other thing and it doesn't go well. It's like, he's like a, comic relief protagonist yeah uh, so it's like oh yeah golden touch well <laughs> never mind uh d dissing the god of music's musical skill well <laughs> the story of midas is uh, a case study in uh explaining why the ancient greeks uh and their central banks had a very robust understanding of money supply and were able to avoid inflation <laughs> by just printing more coins yeah no anyway yeah, yeah, we could uh, go wrong. a little side detail of the uh, the whole thing with um the midas myth uh explaining electrum deposits mm. uh, in anatolia cool as hell yeah uh, because the lydians were the first ones to to mint coins um and that's just a real cool uh, one of them real world connections yeah yeah. No, it was very neat. Uh, and as far as stories go, it's it's just, you know, it's fun and short and really memorable. Like, I, yeah. I know why King Midas became such a, such a meme, because it's so easy to take that concept and play with it. Uh, yeah. And the concept of the Midas touch everywhere. The main problem I had with finding an ending song was finding one that didn't reference it by name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's a, it's a... It's a fun little myth, uh, and I always like doing that. You know, when I when I cover the uh, the basics of Greek mythology, the one that everybody kind of knows. Sorry, we've got a sad kitty outside. Uh, <laughs> she busted down the door before we started recording. Yeah, the door was the, the door to, to my library was closed earlier, and Cleo jumped from the tea uh, the tea cabinet area onto the handle to push it down and open it. This cat can read the clocks. This cat can open doors. She's scarier than the raptors in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but so much fluffier. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I do like going back and revisiting the myths that everyone at least knows by name. And mm -hmm. I have noticed that, amusingly, those videos tend to perform way better than the rest of the myths. Like, yeah. when someone already kind of knows what they're getting into when they click it. Like, not, you know, Urashimataro performed fine, but, like, Everyone knows Midas. And yeah. I think a lot of them were like, wait, you haven't already covered this one? Like, same thing happened with Medea. You know, everybody knows the name. They just want to know the details. Yeah. Uh, which is very fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it went over well. It hit trending at, like, I think 20-something. Mid-20s, 25, yeah, mid, mid 23, one of those. Yeah. yeah, which was cool. Um, and, oh, right, and we have a pin. And we have pins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going along with this one, uh, our, our final big, uh, big new pin release for the year, we have a Dionysus pin um uh to uh to add to your pin collections yes. uh it's it's a single one this time so it is a pin 
and a sticker sheet similar to how we did it for Loki. Uh, the sticker sheets are a little smaller this time um, mm -hmm. to make it a little more convenient. Some people uh, had issues with, with the big sticker sheet and had large envelopes, whole thing. Yep. But um, Dionysus pin, sticker sheet, uh, cheaper than the regular ones. Um, so uh, you'll have two weeks to grab this one, or I guess one and a half from the time this, uh, this podcast is uploaded. Uh, and then um, this pin... And all of the other pins we've had in 2021, so Hades and Persephone, Loki, Zeus and Hera, Athena and Apollo, and... Athena uh, and... Uh, or Athena and um, Poseidon, Poseidon yes. yeah. I got one of the consonants right. Uh, <laughs> Athena, Poseidon, and Dionysus will all be available Black Friday, end of the year. That's, like, the big extra chance to get them if you missed them. So uh, Dionysus for a week and a half, limited time, and then they're back for Black Friday. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so if you're interested, uh, they make wonderful gifts, um, small, easy, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, that is a, a, a cool thing. We always love doing the pins. Um, and if you want to support, uh, the channel, pins are a surprisingly effective way to do that. You get a cool thing for you and it, uh, helps us, uh, helps us make more videos and lets us do like cool charity drives and stuff yeah uh which is a, a, a double uh double win-win for for us and the community and all kinds of other people so yeah um pins are good yeah. hot take pins are good <laughs> acquire the shiny acquire the shiny yeah i yeah um funny thing is uh some of the people on our subreddit discovered the pins went up before <laughs> the before the the video actually was published uh some some sleuths in our community uh which is always a good time mm -hmm. uh other uh, other fun thing um uh, in the calendar is this week is the middle of uh, Ace Visibility Week, uh, yeah. which is fun. Uh, Pride Month was earlier in the year, and then there are other uh, various uh, little bits and bobs uh, scattered throughout the year. So um, many of you uh, know that, uh, that that Red is uh, is Ace, yeah. uh, and the funny uh, funny plot twist of of OSP uh, <laughs> is that uh, both of us are actually Ace. Yeah, fun uh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, mild uh, journey of not quite self-discovery but well, yeah. realizing things make a lot more sense now uh i uh am ace uh which uh between uh red and i and, and indigo and cyan three quarters of, of osp are on the ace spec yeah. uh uh red and i are, are different flavors uh of of asexual yeah. um for for me what i realized is, is like you know i always thought like i was you know uh, you know straight you know nothing like i could put on a label and, and differentiate myself and then I realized wait a minute it's aesthetic attraction that's a different thing it's that I think people are pretty and would make great renaissance art yes that's different <laughs> from what people are singing about in all those 80s songs those 80s people are way too horny wait a minute <laughs> I had the exact same thing with the difference that I do art so for me I was like oh man I would totally draw that person and then it took me a while to realize oh that's not what most people are talking about when yeah they say that yeah, yeah, so, like, like the weird pride I feel about having been on the Henry Cavill is hot train way earlier than everybody else. Yep. I, I smoke you fools. It's because That, like, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's an, it's an aesthetic thing. Duh. So, uh, I, I am the aesthetic uh, 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 branch uh, of the asexual tree. So, that's, that's a fun thing. Yeah. Uh, ace visibility. Uh, people come in, in many different, uh, many different varieties yeah just fun you know it's it's very fun because i'm starting to there's like a stereotype that like queer people kind of 
flock together before they even realize sometimes. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I do remember, like, we met, like, week one of high school. Yeah. And there was, like, instantly, like, oh, man, I'm really vibing with this person. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, huh. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quantum superposition of the brain cell once yep, again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then you and Cyan, like, man, this person, we're just really clicking. And it's like, wow, I really like this girl. She's super fun. And now it's like, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that big Spider-Man pointing meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Uh, it was like, I, because I, I, like, I figured it out, like, at the end of Pride Month. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's too late. <laughs> and I was, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, what are the labels? Like, what are the different, because, like, I'm ace, but I'm not that kind of ace. And yep. I'm sort of that kind of ace. And I was like, yeah, so ace in the aesthetic camp yeah. uh, is a thing. Because, like, I, I knew that I, I thought people were pretty, but, like, the logical conclusion of, like, heterosexuality of, like, and therefore I want to, no. Like, yeah. that, that part was never, like, oh, it's just that, like, I could stare at them for hours. Exactly. Like, oh, like, they, they, they do really well, like, in a museum piece. Or, like, oh, that person's voice sounds really nice. ASMR makes so much more sense oh, to me now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's interesting, because, like, you, you know, you... You see that person and you're like, wow, that person's so pretty. And then your brain stops there. But yeah. it feels like it should be hooking up with something else mentally. Like it should, there's a connection that isn't there, um, which is very cool. And uh, I, I will say the thing about like, yeah, which which flavor of this label am I? Uh, I do remember that when I first found Ace as a label, I was like, oh, everything makes sense <laughs> now. And since then I have had some like, I wonder what the romantic orientation is. You know, some things people say about Aero make sense, but maybe we just don't have a broad enough concept of love in general and who the hell knows. But the thing is, for me, it actually doesn't matter. Like, the only thing that I actually, the only label I really needed was Ace. Like, who knows what the romantic orientation is? It's something, statistically, but, like, it doesn't matter to me. And all that matters is finding the things that, that make you feel better for knowing them about you. Like, you don't need to break it down all the way, necessarily. I've seen a few people yeah. get kind of hung up on, like, which of these specific labels exactly matches me. And it's like, if you don't see it and, like, I don't know, resonate with it. Like, like <laughs> if you're not drift compatible with this label, like, you don't need to attach it to yourself. But if you see it and you're like, oh, I understand me better now, that is such a valuable feeling. Yeah, and that's two things. One is if, if we jump back to the uh, to the podcast episode we did at the end of, of Pride Month where I was like, yeah, and, like, sometimes you might be feeling like you're something and you don't entirely know what it is, and that's okay. You don't have to, to land in the uh, in the appropriate, like, bucket of, of what the label is. Mm. That's where that was coming from. <laughs> and also, Red, to your point, like, that explains why I like Pacific Rim so much because yeah. they don't, they're not, it's just like, oh, they're just great friends. Great, great ace rep in Pacific Rim. Thank yep. you, Guillermo. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro recognizes that there are many different kinds of love. And I, honestly, I will go to bat for Guillermo del Toro forever. And a big part of that is because he can write the platonic love stories and he can write the shape of water. <laughs> he's yeah. not a one trick pony. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good, good week all around, I think. <laughs> good, good, good week all around. Yeah. So that's that. Um, Aceness comes in many forms, uh, hopefully, uh, for those of you who are, uh, like, feeling like, eh, maybe something's going on there, hopefully, uh, me explaining my own version, uh, of, of this whole thing, uh, has, has been some help, I don't know. Yep, uh, multiple yeah. data points, always good. Exactly. Because for everyone who's, like, gone to me and been like, the way you described it made perfect sense, now I know what I am, I'm like, yeah, but that's my experience, it's good that it resonated with you, but I can't cover the whole spectrum by myself. Yeah. It's always good to have more more visibility that yeah. is that is the key takeaway here yep. it's always good to see the diversity of human beings and more than just like token direction yeah it's not just flipping a switch there's not one way to to be ace this is a spectrum mm -hmm. you can uh yeah so 
So good stuff. Let's yeah. uh, let's uh, hop on over to the uh, Q and A portion of the podcast. How about? Heck yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. These first question here is going to come from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on the podcast. This comes from Kimchi. Do any of the OSP crew have any phobias they overcame? For example, I'm scared of heights and water where I can't see the bottom, but now I regularly go skydiving and snorkeling in kelp forests. Still scares me. That's impressive. That's, that, yeah, that's, yes. uh, that, that's a pretty uh, stark zero to hero situation there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've mentioned a few times that I have trypophobia, um, but I'm starting to think that that's sort of just going away on its own. For, for those of you who do not know, trypophobia is a fear that is described as clusters of small holes, but frankly speaking, it's just a fear of like, gross stuff that kind of maybe looks like something was growing in a person and then burrowed out like just it, a lot of it's a very specific flavor of body horror most other body horror i couldn't care less about that specific kind kind of freaks me out so like i think there's some stuff in one of the pirates of the caribbean movies when they've got like the, the oh the, surely the water zombies and the barnacle situation oh god that yeah. was not super fun yeah. and uh the way it manifests for me uh nowadays is the thought of it just makes me slightly itchy but the first time i found out i had this phobia it was because i had been confident that i had no phobias and i was looking through one of those lists of like little known phobias and i was like haha how silly clowns numbers ridiculous and then they're like trypophobia and i was like uh-oh and then i was itchy and hyperventilating for the rest <laughs> of class and the friend who was sitting next to me probably thought i was on something <laughs> she was like you okay and i was like i'm fine everything's chill but oh my god internally ugh. but that's just kind of edged off on its own because it's like yeah it's creepy but like eh. just, you know it's, it's <laughs> i feel like after those new iphones like a lot of people had a sink or swim moment <laughs> well the funny thing about that is that one didn't bother me oh, okay um like and a lot of things that I've seen people, like, tag with the trigger for it, like, just just don't really bother me that much. Some of them do, but for me, it's very specifically holes, not things that look like holes. Um, and I'm getting a little itchy just talking about it, but, like, the yeah, point is, uh... you know, it's... it's. <laughs> yeah. I think with a lot of these phobias, like, if you sort of... I, I'm not giving this as advice, but, like, in my case, I just kind of kept running into stuff about it and being like, okay, what's the reality of this? The reality is that some things can make this happen, and there's medical treatments for them <laughs> so we're good i don't know it, it didn't like logic itself out of existence but it stopped being such a just like creepy unexpected thing. tryptophobia destroyed with facts <laughs> and logic <laughs> yeah it, it was mostly like well there's one specific kind of fly that does horrible things um but it doesn't live around here and there's various kinds of fungus that i already hate and distrust on principle but that's a perfectly rational thing to do. <laughs> so just carry a pocket flamethrower and yeah. you have no reason to worry. Everything's completely <laughs> chill now. Yeah, that would not help me because uh, I have a fairly documented case of thalassophobia, mm -hmm. uh, which has uh, come up in uh, a handful of streams. Uh, I think in yeah, the, uh, the Assassin's like... Creed Odyssey streams where I had to go fight sharks, that was, uh, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, yeah. uh, for, for the audience, not me. <laughs> yep. uh, also, why I, I could only get through watching Aquaman on a tiny laptop screen yeah. uh, at about five frames a second. <laughs> uh, Google casting for movies did not work as well as Google thought it did. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've strictly gotten over that. Um, so I can't really say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think overcoming a phobia is like, 
it's difficult because, of course, uh, a lot of what makes a phobia hard to handle is how much of your your thought process it takes up. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, focusing on it can sometimes feel like it's making it worse in, in yeah. that respect. Like, for instance, the Pelagia fight, Shadow of the Colossus. Ah. I'm, I'm never playing that game again. I'm, <laughs> yeah. just, I'm never playing that game again. Like, there's some stuff in Twilight Princess where you have to go fight a big sea monster down there. Nope. Mm. Not doing that. Never playing Twilight Princess. <laughs> Not that one, but I, yeah, I buy that. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of, you know, yeah. super fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, I listened through a good chunk of the Magnus archives, which is, of course, built around different phobias, <laughs> and almost none of them actually bothered me. But the mm-hmm. villain for the first season is called the Flesh Hive. <laughs> and guess ah. what? Not my favorite. Oh, my God. There's like... I, one of the only things I know about Naruto is there are some ninjas in there who have bugs in their bodies, yes. and it's like, who yep. the fuck thought that was okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You want to, if you've got a, a little-known phobia, there's probably a Naruto ninja out there who's got some jujitsu, <laughs> some jitsu that's really That's a question. Has anyone, um, like, redone the, the hash-slinging slasher from Spongebob in the style of a Magnus Archives or, like, SCP kind of thing? Oh, man, I wish. Yeah, like, that's... It's definitely, like, a patron for TTRPG, like, Warlock classes <laughs> out there. I'm sure you can find it on, like, DM's Guild, but if you haven't, hit me up. She who slings. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Pact of the fry cook. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights, but I'm afraid of heights in a very practical mm. way because at a certain point, through just raw exposure to everything in the world being taller oh. than me, I, I had to just get over. Like I had to just get deal with. Like I just deal with it. Um, so you know, tall buildings. I, I do a lot of hiking and mountains and various things. You can't go, not be high up. So I guess you're just gonna keep powering through being high up, and it's still like frightening but kind of in the same way that i think this asker is describing like just sort of exposure therapy to get used to it enough that it's not like freaking out every time i'm somewhere higher than one story I have a question about that does that apply on mountains yeah like i understand it on skyscrapers it depends on like where the trail is so i did some hiking in the rockies where like the edge of the trail and the side of the mountain mm. were about <laughs> as far apart from each other as i was walking in a straight mm. line so you were standing right on a cliff face, yeah. basically. That doesn't really Definitely. feel like a fear of heights. That feels like a very sensible fear of dying. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I was hiking with my dad and brothers, and we did several hikes over the course of, like, a, a month where we just hit different national parks, and we kept picking hikes that were high up on very precarious mm. ledges, and I kept saying, guys, can we please do a different a different natural formation? And we kept doing the tall stuff. What was the hikes in yeah, December? I don't know. Were, like, pleasant walks through parks that happen to be tilted at 30 degree angles. There was one, I don't know where it is, people who know Yosemite could surely pick this out by the description, but there was yeah. one place that was, uh, it had a fairly steep incline and there was a rock path that led up, like, right next to a waterfall, so it was yes. like we were constantly being sprayed while going up this, Very like, kind of slippery rock face, yeah. and there were these, yeah. like, like pools, like these green and kind of yellow, like, like yeah. little small like adorable technicolor lakes uh, nestled in all these trees mm-hmm. on the various like once you got above a certain height and it kind of leveled out for a bit. Mm-hmm. That place was oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't mind that so much. <laughs> I felt like being gently misted the whole time, and I wasn't really in shape at the time, so like climbing those mountains was annoying. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's the thing though. Like when you're hiking, especially even if you do start on a trail that is not necessarily particularly exposed to how tall you are, maybe you just notice the el- like the altitude changing or whatever. Oftentimes, there will suddenly be a section of the trail where you become immediately aware of how high up you are. Either you pass over some sort of ravine, or you are exposed to the side of the mountain, 
Or um, I, I did a bunch of hikes in the Badlands where, like, you're scrambling up these large rock formations. And Heck it's yeah. so incredibly cool. I would do it again in a heartbeat. But you get a little nervous because you're so yeah. high up. Um, so I don't know if it's quite as much of a phobia to the point where I'm unwilling to be near heights. But it's yeah. definitely, like, if I had to name a greatest fear, besides my reoccurring nightmare being Tony Hawk <laughs> and having his job, this is my greatest actual fear. I guess, fear. personally, it sounds to <laughs> the me one like I encountered the we've most. all got them down to very sensible levels. It's like, hmm, let's see, what am I afraid yeah. of? Falling from a very great height being very far underwater, and somebody putting bugs in me. <laughs> like, those are perfectly <laughs> rational fears to have, because they would be bad if they happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh... In the... Tag yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these perfectly rational concerns do you most identify with? Mm-hmm. 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 Speaking of perfectly rational concerns, we've got more questions to get to. Uh, this one comes from Still Has No Genes, To All... I am an amateur writer, and in the story I am writing, I want to make one of the major characters asexual. Do you have any good advice for writing asexual and or LGBTQ plus characters? Well, first of all, if you're lacking in genes, I can recommend my supplier of genes. <laughs> oh my god. Here we go. <laughs> Someday Lucky Brand Senpai will notice me. We're anyway, back. <laughs> um, in short, uh, let's see. Well, one thing I have actually found, because I am, I am struggling with something fairly similar uh, in that I have a character who's ace, and I have been struggling to find a way to explicitly point this out in story, because fundamentally, asexuality is a lack of something that is usually assumed to be there if not stated otherwise. And if you're fu- not finding a way to organically bring that up, it can be difficult to organically bring it up. Wow, that was a good insight on my part. But the point is, it's like... <laughs> Recursive logic is recursive. <laughs> the problem is, the problem is not with you. Here's the problem. The problem is that most readers will assume that your characters are straight until you prove them wrong. Yeah. And that's not actually your fault. That is a result of the culture we live in. Which means if you have a character who never expresses interest in anybody, people will assume that they are straight anyway. Unless somebody's like, hey man, you, you interested in that girl? And then he's like, nah, I'm not really interested in that. Then people will assume he is gay. But the point is... <laughs> Artemis syndrome. <laughs> yeah, Artemis syndrome, Sherlock Holmes syndrome. Elsa in Frozen mm. 2. Elsa and Moana. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Elsa, everyone was like, give Elsa a girlfriend. And it's like, Elsa canonically has no love interest and seems to be completely uninterested in having a love interest. <laughs> Clearly, we cannot just have a good time here. <laughs> Clearly, this must be a fight. Um, so essentially, the problem is... You are trying to balance something that is fundamentally already skewed. Your audience is skewed towards perceiving your characters in a certain way through no fault of yours. And you have to decide how much you want to push in the opposite direction. Because if you just let the characters exist as they are, you know, with the orientations they have, acting as according to those orientations would act, people will frequently still miss it. That's not actually your fault. That's because they're coming at this from a certain angle. So for example, when I engage with media, I assume all characters are ace until demonstrated otherwise because I automatically relate to most of them. I was so happy watching Samurai Jack the first four seasons. Oh my God. And then they gave him a love interest and I was incredibly confused because where did that come from? <laughs> um, but you know, that that's that's my curse. Uh, Fan canon ending of Samurai Jack season five is he falls off the cliff in episode three. He dies. The end. <laughs> he had his moment. He dies. The end. Or he wakes up and he's like, man, oh, that no. was a crazy dream. Anyway, back to trying to find a way back to the past. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I'll accept an all a dream ending is if the canon ending is worse. Anyway, the point is, uh, there are ways to bring this up, but mostly they involve this character responding to situations in certain ways. And unfortunately, a lot of those situations would be uncomfortable for that character. The easiest way to demonstrate a character as ace is to have a character essentially proposition them and them say, no, thank you, I'm not interested in that kind of thing. I don't like doing that 
because I've lived that and it's not fun. <laughs> so I try to avoid putting my characters through that. But like, it's completely up to you. There are also opportunities to just have it be a thing the character states, as mentioned. You know, sometimes people will just say, hey guys, I'm Ace. <laughs> um, and, you know, if it, depending on the setting, if it's a modern setting, the character can absolutely bring it up more organically. If it's like a, a fantasy or sci-fi setting, you can just have this be an understood thing. You can bring it up in the narration as just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that person, I've never seen them interested in this or that. Uh, I think they've done that a couple times. Actually, I think that's how they did it in the Magnus Archives. Um, the narrator of the Magnus Archives is canonically uh, a gay ace. Um, oh. And uh, essentially, they bring this up earlier with one of his friends being like they're two of his friends are talking about him and one of them's like he's never been like he's not interested and she's like yeah no as far as i know he's just not interested in that kind of thing it's like huh and then they just move on with their lives and man <laughs> the fans were over the moon <laughs> um, but it is a difficult thing to bring up because even in the space of queer identities asexuality is lesser known and frequently invisible yeah, my my one thing mm-hmm. that I that I would suggest is do not go so far in the opposite direction that you write an ace character to not have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. do that. You're probably fine. <laughs> yeah. The thing is there are a ton of characters where if you're looking at it from a lens of like, okay, with no presuppositions, how do I read this character from their behavior? There is a lot more characters that you could read as queer in fiction than you might think, especially because a lot of writers, especially in the 60s, a lot of sci-fi writers were just these extremely sexist old guys who were like accidentally wrote their stories so sexist that it circled back around to feeling pretty gay. <laughs> like yep. you read Ender's Game and you're like, the, all these guys are like, oh, I hate women so much. All of the most important relationships of my life are with men. Obviously women are just for marrying and then forgetting about. And it's like, um... And you're homophobic, you say. <laughs> it's just, the problem is, you're, you're essentially, you're trying to find a solution that you can write for a problem that is on the side of your audience. And there are ways yeah. to do it. There are ways to counterbalance it. Ultimately, no matter how ace you write a character, it will be easy for people to assume that they are straight. Because by their nature, mm-hmm. most ace characters, or not even straight, sorry, you can write an ace character who's in like a same-sex relationship. This happens all the time. Um... There are a lot of ace lesbians and ace, ace straight people and like oriented arrow aces is a thing that some people are too, yeah. uh, where it's like, you're not romantically attracted to people and you're not sexually attracted to people, but you definitely favor one gender over the other <laughs> in some way. Like the, there's a whole space of these things. And the problem is no matter how you write a character, they can always be read a different way. And ultimately all you can do is try to be true to the character as you're writing them. So like if you yeah. are, if, if you're writing an ace character and you yourself are not ace, then essentially it's like this character might or might not be romantically attracted to people, they will still find certain people interesting and and they will want to form connections with people. You know, they will want people to be in their lives and to be important to them. It just, that doesn't connect with wanting to, you know, smooch somebody or et cetera, et cetera. Like there are all kinds of ways that you can write this. I struggle to write characters that aren't ace for the exact same reason. (laughs) I have to cold read how this works. Um, Anyway, like, best I can say is, you know, write the character, how they'll be interpreted is how they'll be interpreted, you know, do your best, except that some people are just gonna read it one way no matter what. Like, there are still people who are like, wow, what good friends these characters are. It's yeah. like, they made out! <laughs> At that point, it's different than friendship. <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, I mean, also, like, if you just want a hard and fast way to help yourself out, beta readers and sensitivity yeah. readers are a great resource. If you yourself are not the orientation that you're writing and you have a friend who is, just have them skim through your rough yep. draft. If there's any immediate red flags, yeah. they can help you out with that. 
Um, they're great. My hot take is that there are a ton of ace characters in literature written accidentally, and I'm gonna, you can pry those (laughs) characters away from my cold, dead hands. (laughs) Data from TNG, my beloved. I don't care that they gave you a love interest in season one. Water under the bridge, baby. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, well, this next question comes from Rebecca Keel. To all, what are your Halloween costumes this year? I vote time heist characters. Mm. Love you all. Groom. Yeah, my Halloween costume is traveling. Um, I can pull an easy Jessica Jones. I've already got the jacket and scarf. Not the hair, though. I tried that one year and it didn't go so hot. <laughs> hmm. I don't know, Indigo. What about you? <laughs> uh, now I feel now I feel out of the loop because I do have a Halloween costume despite traveling. Um, my friend of mine is going as Miss Frizzle, and I will be uh, Liz R, oh, the lizard from Magic. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, very very good. It's one of my lowest effort Halloween costumes. I love this holiday because it gives me an excuse to flex on my various years of costuming experience. Um, I learned recently that if I ever got into cosplay, I would never sleep again, and so for that reason, I have to stick to very strictly to Halloween and the Once we fair. get you in the convention um, circuit, but... you're gonna need to cosplay. <laughs> you won't be able it's to. Game resist. over. Really looking forward to the convention circuit. At some point, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. when it's no longer a plague risk. Someday. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Miss Frizzle, on the subject of characters that aren't straight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm just going to write a bunch of, um because I basically my costume is like a lizard onesie, but I'm going to write a bunch of lizard facts onto index cards and stick them in the onesie because oh I'm God, planning good. on you know, safely going out. Uh, and anytime someone talks to me, I'd be like, oh, well, do you want a lizard fact? And I can be dulling out knowledge all night. That is truly incredible. <laughs> That's great. My, uh, my default Halloween costume for <laughs> right? years has been the Mask of the Red Death because yeah. I, I made a really convincing mm-hmm. spooky mask uh, a few years back using like a, like a face form that you're supposed to use for sculpture or something. But I just like, so here's a trick. If you cut the eyes out of a mask and then you use like a thin black fabric sheeting behind it, like a stretchy one, just attach it to the mm-hmm. eye holes people will not be able to see in but you will be able to see out it's a really good way to get the soulless void yeah. effect uh and then i just painted some blood <laughs> this discussion it. is actually uh really closely linked to another question so i'll use, ask this one as a Ooh. quick follow-up uh cookie nook asks to all what is your favorite halloween costume that you've ever done either mm-hmm. as a youngster or as an adult so do you guys have any any major hits from previous maybe less wedding adjacent halloweens i have a funny story uh which is that my parents <laughs> brought me to conventions when I was a very, very small baby. And thus I knew about conventions before I knew about Halloween. So mm. by oh. way of an explanation, <laughs> my mom said that Halloween costumes were just like cosplay. So it all made sense to me, which meant for years for Halloween, I went as specific characters um, rather than, so like I have a Halloween costume from when I was a very small, like like three or four, maybe. Might've been one of my first Halloweens out actually. Uh, where I wanted to go as Granny Weatherwax from the Discworld series, which of course meant I was dressed up as a witch. Everyone was like, oh yeah, she's a witch. That's cute. Nice little witch girl. There was no way to show that I was supposed to be this specific witch. I didn't care. I knew who I was. Uh, I had a year where I went as Bob from Reboot because I'm that bitch. And I had a year when I went as Usagi from Usagi Yojimbo. And my mom made me these like big rabbit ears it was super awesome i think one person knew who i was that year oh nice um and I, the, the year yeah. i went as bob i made someone's day because <laughs> they were like that kid's dressed as bob and i was like fuck yeah i am um as a you know five-year-old um you gotta mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. it took me ages to figure out that, that wasn't how you were supposed to do halloween <laughs> um that is a perfectly valid way to do halloween because i'm trying to think of like my good costumes and they're always the ones that are just a character mm-hmm. like 
Uh, I think my freshman year of college, I was Kung Fury from the movie Kung yes. Fury. Oh, that one was great. Super mobile. I was ready to hit the streets. We were we were on. Indigo, it, were you and I both Kung Fury that year? Oh my god. Ah, uh, were we? I know we were at the same Halloween party. I don't know. We I I went as Kung costume. Fury to one of the like fencing parties in one of the years. I, who knows? I recall a year in high school, possibly our first year in high school, when we were going to a friend's house to drop a large inflatable spider on people's heads, and you had forgotten it was Halloween. <laughs> So you were wearing a blue t-shirt and regular jeans, and you said, I'm Steve from Minecraft. <laughs> That's right. And I was in full pirate getup, and I was like, heck yeah, that guy knows what he wants. Oh my god, yeah, because there, there was a thing for a while where I was like, I don't like, like, big, complicated Halloween costumes, because, like, it's still school. You have to fucking change out of it for gym. Mm-hmm. It's hell. Yeah. So I try to be, like, costumes that are basically normal clothes with, like, three extra things. So one year, I went as Nathan Drake. Yep. So I got myself the the necklace thing i got myself a couple henleys and i realized i liked that style yeah so i wore that every day <laughs> for the next 10 years <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was going i was scrolling through indigo's rolodex of past year costumes i was like moving past sam from danny phantom that was a great group mm-hmm. costume moving past kate bishop because i just that's an easy one right just wear a lot of purple and i remembered last year i was blue oh yes with the with the very I cursed forgot. print out of the chibi face <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, that was a, that was one of that the was greens. one of the greens. Also, that was two years back. Oh, various various people we know have gone as blue. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a surprisingly easy costume to throw together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a look. You have a very distinct look. And it's Nathan Drake, but darker colors. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. It's Nathan true. Drake. We accidentally added a color mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 In like Photoshop, I just hope like that blue shit. Be good. I know it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's Nathan Drake, but he's moving away from you at high speed. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he would be moving towards you at high speed. I think because blue is a shorter wavelength and red is a longer wavelength. Oh balls! Yeah, no, it's Nathan Drake, but he's coming at you really fast. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, I remember because there's a bumper sticker I've seen that my my uncle's a big fan of because it's a red bumper sticker that says, "If this sticker is blue, you're moving too fast." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, physicist humor. They have like three jokes, but they're very versatile. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh, many good Halloween costumes yeah. in, in ages past. Yes. Yes. Uh, this next question, keeping the spooky spirit going, comes from Technicolor Dream Bus to all with Halloween coming up. Favorite spooky story, fiction or non-folk fiction here, folks. So uh, what's a what's a spooky tale hmm. you like around this season? I can tell a story from the perspective of someone who trick-or-treated uh, at the house where we had the giant inflatable <laughs> spider because uh, at our at our friend's house, uh, one, one of my, my grooms, uh, groomsmen actually, mm-hmm. uh, we, we had, there was this big tree in front of his house and we got this giant inflatable spider, They're like very cartoony uh, looking uh, and we hooked it up on a pulley system so we had we had um side to side up down and there was one other pulley that like we weren't entirely sure which axis it controlled it was kind of diagonal um but we basically had a system where we could like drop it down and swing it so we tried to knock people's hats over yes so what what would happen is like spooky story from the perspective of a random kid on this street be walking down trying to go get some candy and then this big old like inflatable spider drops down and knocks off your hat. <laughs> Funny story about that. A few years prior, I had been that kid 
Because you gotta understand, this friend lived on, like, primo trick-or-treating street. Yeah. Like, that is the street that Ooh. goes hard. Yeah. And so when I... Like, full-size candy bars or, like, super well-decorated? Like, what level well of going hard? Yeah. Like, someone would rig up an entire okay. haunted house. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, this was, like, mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. Main Street on Halloween. They would close yeah. off all traffic. It was perfect. So, of course, all my trick-or-treating routes would end up on that street. Yeah, it was like the fucking Champs-Élysées of Halloween. Right, and, like, I, you know, before I went to high school, I didn't know this guy. So I trick-or-treated at that house and there was the year where the spider came down and uh i being who i am as a person kept trying to punch it so <laughs> that's actually a trick that we had to do when when kids brought swords to try and fight it we would like we wouldn't drop it like no you're not we're gonna get you by surprise we're not gonna let you go toe-to-toe with this thing yep. you will win we will have to bust out the duct tape <laughs> yeah again so yeah, by the last year, that that poor thing was not. It was uh, it, it was it was deflated and droopy uh, in its last year. But honestly, that made it scarier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think this is the uh, the answer here is neither of us really like scary stories, unless we're on the other side of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you do want to actually read some spooky spooky tales, I highly recommend uh, anything that Ray Bradbury wrote in the horror oh, genre. God. I mean, something wicked this way comes as a full novel, but there's I'm also sorry, the October scary, Country, not which traumatic. is a. <laughs> But it's because it's Ray Bradbury's levels of like, oh, that's deeply unsettling, like, <laughs> because now I am sad reading this, but also he's specifically trying to write horror. His short stories are great. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a ride or die Bradbury fan just across the board. But if you want like a spooky tale for the evening, get pull something out of uh, the October country because it's chef's kiss. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next question comes from Banana Overlord. Too blue, since your wedding is coming up. Who would be your best man if you could choose anyone from history or mythology? Okay, so uh, oh. as I learned from watching uh, Max Miller, uh, Tasting History, who also October 21 wedding gang, yeah. um, he, he put out a video <laughs> about wedding traditions and said that the, the story of the best man is that he had to be the best man with a sword to protect the groom mm. and the wedding party from from any brigands uh, who might be be, be trying to, to, to roll in. So if I wanted yes, to course. find uh, a, a, a best man with a sword, I would need to, you know, okay, so history, not mythology, cool, Shame. good limit. Um, but I'm trying to think of really great sword fighters from history. Unfortunately, I don't know a lot by name. Miyamoto Musashi. Him. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you have to have the best swordsman. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I if I'm mm-hmm. not going strictly uh, strictly with swordsman, I would say. A good option um, would be Leonardo da Vinci because he would really go all out for the wedding decorations. Like he would, mm. he would whip up something insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a follow up yes. question? This is from me. Who would you pick if you want if you from history that would give the best wedding speech? Best wedding speech. Um, Caesar would try to upstage me, uh, although he is a very good writer. Um, I, oh, I'm trying to go through uh, my my pocket list of, um, of of people who write really good wedding speeches. Great orators. This of is history. annoying. I wish I could remember the character's name because he's a big Mark Antony. Uh, I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. <laughs> Yeah, come to Barry Blue. Yeah. That guy sucked. <laughs> it's like, you, you think the wedding speech is pretty good, but it's loaded with double meanings, and you're not yeah. actually sure if he likes you. And at the end, he pulls out a knife. <laughs> Blutus is an honorable man. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Um, and then, of course, I'm surprised that. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, um, I, I think Dante could could whip up a good one. Um, It'd be very self pitying, and he'd mm-hmm. pass out at the end. <laughs> yeah. He'd be carted off and be like, "How did I get to this strange new place?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, for a sword, um, what Miyamoto was the guy's name? Miyamoto Sashi. Uh, for for good stage decorations, Da Vinci, and for for a good speech, uh, uh, either Dante or Mark Antony, depending on whether I feel like I'm up for a fight. Musashi is the dude who kept winning samurai mm-hmm. duels. Like, oh, he's oh, that nice. dude. That that takes a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your wedding is in good hands. Uh, but we're coming up on time, so I think we got just enough for one more question today. This one comes from Phantom Cat. To all, if you were a ghost, where would you haunt, and what would you do? I would haunt a library, read all the books, and push books off the shelves to give the living rec- book recommendations. So your your ghost, where are you haunting? What are you doing with your ghostly haunting time? That's very fun. Um, that is a great concept. I want to haunt the, the International Space Station. <laughs> I would have a fantastic view. Oh my god. I could go to the moon if I wanted. Uh, and... Uh, I want to be the ghost that saves a bunch of astronauts in case something goes wrong. <laughs> I want to be the friendly space poltergeist. Yeah, <laughs> no one's Red, taking this from me. Red, you've just turned the meme of, like, Moon's Haunted into yeah. a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moon's Haunted. What? <laughs> <laughs> moon's Haunted. Um, oh, let's see. I Where would I like to haunt? I It'd be really fun to haunt old Roman ruins. Um, just, like, speak in Latin, freak out tourists. That'd be a like, fun one. If there are actual old Roman ghosts, they'll be like, ugh, these fucking posers. <laughs> or if there are any classicists who speak Latin, they'll be like, <laughs> quit. This guy's using modern syntax. Yeah. What's going on here? It's like a Scooby-Doo style unmasking, but you're still actually a ghost. It's just like, yeah, I died in like 2057. I mean, you know, you gotta find your hobbies somewhere. <laughs> or you can just go to like any church and give someone a thrill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, at first glance, it's like, well, do you just go to be, like, a theater ghost? Like, they're a well, you know, well-accounted phenomenon. You have every, every old theater's got some old actress who died on stage kicking about. So I feel like that's too crowded yeah. territory. I think what I would want to do is I would want to haunt, like, a Warner Brothers lot, but I'd want to just hang out on set and, like, move people's Starbucks cups into the background of shots. Because then you're really <laughs> testing to make sure that, like, <laughs> you're really making sure the art department's doing their job, and you get, if, you know, you can, you can send little messages, little secret messages to the to the ghost hunters oh my out God, there. that's good that's good <laughs> yeah you can just like i'm trying to think of like of course like funny goose in movies like the the guy in the mandalorian who's wearing jeans in the background of a shot like <laughs> suddenly he just like gets a, a, a little push and then is on screen for that shot hey cable knit cashmere sweaters are canon in the star wars universe who's to say jeans aren't and if True. you're in the market for new jeans <laughs> god damn it we can't keep giving them free sponsor spots <laughs> I can email them if you want. To, if you no, want no, 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 no. It's much funnier this way. I've just been, I've been running into this situation where I've been watching a lot of videos with like brand integrations. Mm-hmm. So like the person They're... will be like, yeah, I've been thinking about this thing recently. I'm like, how interesting. They're like, which is why Skillshare. I'm like, oh, Damn it. you were lying to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I've noticed a lot more of them lately, which yeah. like, you know, that's how it is. Uh, if you if you want to support the fact that we we don't do like sponsors almost ever except for World Anvil and Campfire because they're Our great boys, and we yeah. like them as people, uh, uh, buy pins instead. Uh, or Patreon, we can or, or, or Patreon, Patreon, Patreon's great pins. too. Yeah, pins, you get pins. Or just like tell your friends about the channel and then they'll watch it and then they'll they'll have a great time because we make good <laughs> videos. Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, just yeah. have the uh, have the L key uh, on hand so you can press that and go skip ten seconds ahead. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the life hack. the uh, The advertiser does not know if you skip that part of the video. Yeah, it has no bearing on it. Yep. So just a future life hack on anyone's videos. <laughs> it doesn't actually affect what they get from the sponsorship if you skip through it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, I like the idea of haunting the Warner movie lot, but mostly because I really like the idea of you're just kind of ghostly singing the Animaniacs theme tune at random hours. Well, the thing is, like, they do when they do. T- tours of the Warner lot like they take you through some sets that they've still got standing Jurassic Park is one of them Ooh. there's some dinosaur like nice. models hanging out and like if you can do ghostly stuff I'm assuming you could like possess one of the dinosaurs and just make it like ever so slightly change position every day like just a little bit so that the only person who would notice is like the security guy at the Warner lot you know yeah <laughs> really stressed him out in particular I just think there's a lot of fun I to be like- had there and it's not you got a lot of people yeah through. I agree but like I think if we're establishing that you know the afterlife exists and we can do ghostly shit. It's like, why would anyone do anything but fly around and see all the cool sites and, you know, yeah. go to space or whatever? And screw with people in the meantime. Yeah, and <laughs> screw with people in the meantime. You know, you go to all the tourist hotspots, you knock stuff off the shelves. Because then... that's the thing, like, it's harmless pranks. Yeah, mostly. Like, honestly, like, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has a laugh. Yeah. Uh, they go home, ghosts continue uh, haunting stuff. Like, yeah, sure, there's, like, the crazy, like, horror movie levels of haunting stuff. But there's also just, like, yeah, you knock a book off the library shelf and it's like, I think you would enjoy this one. Yeah, I feel like the the horror movie murder ghosts that are, like, really big on the murder, like, that that's just not sporting, you know? No, it's unfair. The best case scenario is you kill the guy, and now you're dealing with another ghost who's pissed at you specifically. (laughs) So, funny story related to that, I used to do um, an amateur college radio show, and for a while, our studio was moved temporarily to a basement location uh, because there was an issue with the, the previous studio. And my school has a, had a very famous um, radio alumni who I will not name, but he was famous radio man alumni and he's alive. But we used to hear all, I had a 2 a.m. radio time. So we'd be in the basement at like two in the morning. No one else is in the building and we'd hear noises and things happening or like lights would flicker. And our running bit was that a, the preemptive ghost oh, okay. of this yeah. radio man <laughs> was specifically caused because our radio station had fired him when he was a student, was Ooh. specifically coming back to haunt yeah. and terrify the students involved in this amateur college radio station i I like that level of pettiness personally for my ghost like if you're going to be a a malicious uh malicious ghost at least do it on a very small scale i there's something very fun to me about ghost stories because i feel like there's like there's two things that feed into it one of them is we're pretty bad at processing just death as a concept it's like it doesn't really make sense that somebody Mm -hmm. can just not be there anymore so it makes sense that, you know, we remember this person, we think about what they would do in a certain situation, so they kind of live on as an echo. The other side is that human senses are very, very unreliable. Yeah. And we are very good at <laughs> extrapolating things and anthropomorphizing things. Like, I was in the depths of college sleep depth, and I would see shadowy people out of the corners of my eyes, and I'd be like, oh, yes, I read about this. I know how that works. Uh, or, like, you know, there, there's those, like, infrasounds that vibrate your eyeballs and cause you to hallucinate a little bit and produce feelings of anxiety. The look on your face makes me think you haven't heard of it. I've never heard of this. I was going to say my experience with this is, is like, when you're trying to stay awake in a college lecture, but, like, you're clearly just falling asleep, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Like, in that, like, those ten minutes where, like, your eyes are heavy, like, one of them's open, one of them's, like, closed, and you're kind of in between. I've seen weird shapes dancing around, and that isn't a fully lit room. Yep, yep. <laughs> and also, you know, like... We are pattern-recognizing machines. It's it's literally the only thing we're good at. It is the thing that has let our species survive. So it's like, you see something that looks like it might be a person, 
your brain's gonna be like, there's a person, and then you'll look more closely, and there's no person. And, it, you, you know, you can either be like, oh, ghosts, or it's like, ah, I made an error in my least reliable pattern recognizing <laughs> engine. That makes sense. I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, so um, <laughs> after I die, come find me and say hi, either in the Roman Forum or at the top of the Duomo, where I will be whispering Florence facts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Look to the International Space Station and know that I am there. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Every time you see a Starbucks cup in the background of Game of Thrones, that's me, baby. <laughs> Indigo was here. <laughs> Think of me fondly. <laughs> oh, God. That... I'm sorry, I just dealt with... I just watched the Lindsay Ellis video about the Phantom of the Opera 2, Love Never Dies, and now that's in my head. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a bad time. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Uh, I'm guessing we're yeah running. yeah well speaking of bad times we're running out of uh, all time so uh, yeah yeah red are you you ready to take us out you <laughs> I'm not ready. ready for that also uh, your uh, your internet is uh, haunted and uh, just glitched <laughs> out somewhat so uh, spooky it, it's spooky mm. Wi-Fi connectivity issues um, but yes I I am not prepared because at this point it's a challenge. But uh, yeah, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. If you liked this content and want more, there will be more in two weeks. And there has been more up until this point. I believe 28 episodes plus a couple bonuses, so you can check those out. Bonus ones are fun. Star Wars one was great. Yes, that was a real yeah. party, especially because I was super sleep deprived. <laughs> I, I remember none of it. It's a surprise every time. Um, if you like... The rest of our stuff, we also have the channel, so you can check yeah. that out. It's got a lot more of us talking, and we've got a couple detailed diatribes that are basically just this, but longer. Yeah. more specific, without Indigo to rein us in. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. And, of course, you know, the pins. Check out the pins. Uh, we also have a Redbubble merch shop, so if, yep. you, if you are looking for fun branded merchandise for people this holiday season we just added um baby onesies um for a few uh, by the time this podcast goes up i will have posted a picture of cleo in a baby onesie that <laughs> says mischief time it's beautiful it's incredible <laughs> it's the best thing i've ever made um until next time <laughs> i've been red i've been blue this has been an overly sarcastic podcast Woo! Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on November 10th with another episode, but if you miss us before then, head over to Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube for even more great content. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OSPod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.